What's up, guys? Welcome back to the podcast, Jack's Podcast. That's the name of the podcast. Uh, I'm Jack Hendrickson. I'm Gusha Lagerwal. I'm Antonio Barcelos. And I'm James Hodges. And we are going to be discussing three questions today on themes that we've discussed in our American like literature class. class so far. The first question, I don't think I need to restate it because... What about the we listeners? all know it. I mean, the listener, the sole listener might already know. I have a feeling. <laughs> I think you should just say it anyway, Jack. Okay, well, all right, ready? What is America's story? How could, how could we best define idealism in America? Think back to the beginning of the class and the units we covered in the literary movements. Is there one that you recall which you believe is most influential? Is there something else that we researched or discussed that is more accurate? And I will take the lead on this one. I thought the... Uh, one of the main themes of America's story is the struggle to survive and thrive. So I thought I could connect that all the way back to pilgrims trying to come here. They were really trying to su- survive at the beginning, and the reason that they came was to thrive um, more than what they were feeling like they were not thriving in their homeland. Um, and I would say idealism is saying that the struggle is over because we've seen the struggle to survive or thrive come up again and again in American history, whether it's with Native Americans or women and women's suffrage or um, African-American people just trying to gain rights, human rights, civil rights, whatever it needs to be, social issues, that comes up time and time again and just proves that we're not, that the struggle isn't over. The struggle to survive or thrive has always been a theme and always probably will be a theme in a in America because it's just we won't settle for anything I don't think and then civil disobedience I said was another um, another theme because we are founded on the philosophy of um, what's the you have the right to replace your government I think like that it's like if your government isn't like basically just acting like in the way that the people like wanted to, it to yeah. then you can replace it yeah yeah but it's not working for the people then you can yeah it. so i think talk? that's kind of what could they talk yeah something like that so i think it's like civil disobedience is kind of like that where it's you know the government isn't acting in the way that you want it to and you don't think it's right to follow the laws and so you just disobey them and you know be ready to face those consequences and another um Another theme that I see then is actually happened in American, American, uh, American stories, the Salem witch trials and McCarthyism, just that struggle to thrive again, seen in the witch trials where everybody's like kind of going at each other so that they can thrive on their own. And then, you know, it doesn't work because that's not the, uh, the full community, uh, trying to thrive together. And then Melting Pot. I think Walt Whitman and I Hear America Singing really embody those ideas. So when I look at America's story, I see a story that was written down that was made up by immigrants. When we look at America, as Jack said earlier, we see a melting pot. We see lots of Chinese people, Indian people, lots of Irish people, like different, different people who hail from different parts of Europe, mainly England, stuff like that. But yeah, America's story is that of immigrants. When, like, at the beginning of the class, we learned a lot about red man, white man, all the conflicts they had. And when we look at society today, we see that, yeah, they are outnumbered. So, I mean, who won that war, we all know. 
But yeah, that's what I look at America's story and see. Now, how would I define idealism? Um, very simply put, I'd say idealism is choosing theory over practicality. Um, right now, when we see all the stuff that libs are doing in 2021, we see like, uh, you know, gender inclusivity, racial inclusivity, like lots of, you know, Pride Month, all of that stuff. I look at that as idealism. Like that one city in, I don't know, some, a city in some state, they're actually giving reparations to black people for being black. How absurd is that? If that is not idealism, tell me what idealism is. Uh, moving on, like the one literary movement that I feel was the most influential in America's history would be the works, the literary works that were written during the um, civil rights movement. We see Life Among the Lowly by Harriet Beecher Stowe. We see the narrative of the life of Frederick Douglass written by Frederick Douglass himself. All of these, when I say influential, this is the time, this is the time period that comes to my mind because they influenced the public opinion in that point in time. Lots of people, if you're sitting in Pennsylvania and you don't own a slave, you haven't ever seen a slave, you don't care a lot about the movement. But when you read these books, when you read these articles, it really changes your perspective towards it. So yeah, that's what I feel is most influential. Antonio, go for it. All right. So uh, I think the big part of America's story is people being able to come from nothing and build themselves up into wealth and power and basically anything that they didn't come from, they can get to. So, I don't know, as we saw, like, people coming over from Europe chasing, you know, uh, religious freedoms. And they came here. They could have just lived there, you know, and not practiced their religion and lived like a normal life. But they came here, had nothing, and built themselves up. So... I uh, start out with that, and then we see Mark Twain later as a poor, poor guy, growing up, no money, uh, works his way to the top, and we see his memoir through Life on the Mississippi, and how he just works on ships, and builds his life up, learns skills, and eventually can write a book about it that people want to see and he can make himself a lot richer and have more money and be changed than how he was when he was younger. So really just the America's story is that you can build up anything from nothing. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, and so going back to what Jack was talking about earlier with like all the oppression and like bad stuff, I think America's story is like a story that has like a really, really dark, bad past with like a really bright future that's coming forward. Like there's lots of current movements going on to like make things better. But I think honestly, they're all like really idealistic in the way that they're trying to do things. Like they're all great ideas and they have, they want good things to happen, but the way they're trying to execute them is really idealistic. And so that's why I think best defines idealism in America. And so I think the most influential part of American history in the literary movement is idealism because it's still in effect today. Because I still think our like, society is very idealistic and I think like a way that you can see this is in The Great Gatsby by Scott, F. Scott Fitzgerald. Like it's a story that's very idealistic. It's about a young self-made man who should live a long happy life. Like he is rich, he's, he should be the happiest person ever, but he always wants more and this is because like the uh, 
the way the world was. And so it's idealistic to think that like he would live a good, happy life. In reality, that will never happen. All good? Yep. All right. Now, moving on to the next question. Which is more important, the needs of the community or the needs of the individual? This can be broad or specific and range in response, but pick something on your mind and apply the rule of thought here. I'll send this one to Kushal first. I mean, we've thought about this question a lot. Like, walking into grammar's classroom every day, we have it written on the whiteboard stuff. But, like, my simple thought process whenever I saw this question was one thing. What's the community made up of? It's made up of individuals. So, whenever we look at a problem at a macro perspective, every individual in it is a constituent of the problem. So if it's government, if it's admin, if, even if you look at the school, if we, if, we, if we say that the school is happy, that means every student in the school is happy. So that, therefore, if we, like, if we as a society aim to solve the problems prevalent in the community, the individuals themselves get helped. Now, one major problem that I, when I, like, when I listen to this question that I feel should be solved very soon is government. Governments made up of elected representatives who are not looking to better the lives of their constituents, not better, not looking to better the lives of their voters, but only looking for more voters. So if, if they have a choice wherein they can either help the community, help individuals or help themselves, they will always choose helping themselves. So that's something that, you know, four-year terms and longer terms can help towards. There's a lot of solutions to a problem, but I feel like that is one simple um, issue that America is facing today, for sure. Go yeah. for Jack. Yeah, I think the corruption in government is definitely a theme that you can definitely attribute to the like the conflict of the needs of the community versus the needs of the individual. Because the corrupt people in government are focusing on themselves, like you said, focusing on getting revoted. And I think that also like if you think about like when you when you look at a ballot for president, there's only two names on there. So or there's two names that really matter. So you're only choosing between two people that have been already chosen for you. And I think that, and those people are chosen by like say the Democratic Party or the Republican Party because they think that that person is gonna win, not because they think that's the best candidate for all the people. And I'd say when I'm answering the question, the needs of the community or the needs of the individual, I would say you have to, first you have to think of yourself. If it's not a question that concerns, you know, other people's health or something like that, you just have to consider yourself first because that's just how you have to do it. There's no other way to live life well, except there's situations where you need to consider the community first. Like if you're in power, like in government, you do need to consider the community first because you can't be making individual choices on your own situation, even if you're not focusing on like the voting idea, but you can't make choices on yourself or for your own interests when the community is asking for helpers in a situation like that. And yeah, like I said, that's where, like me and Kushal actually said, that's where corruption comes from, so. All right, and so I believe like the purpose of life is to be as happy as you can. And so in order for like you to be happy, you have to put yourself before other people. So that's why I believe that individual is more important than the community. And so in the Dead Poet Society, like the most famous line out of the whole thing is carpe diem. And what carpe diem means is seize the day. And so by seizing the day, you're living your life to the fullest to make sure like you can be happy. And so but at the same time, like you can't put yourself in front of others to the point where you're harming others. So that's where like the government thing comes in where 
Like if you put yourself before others to the point where you're harming them, then you're not helping yourself. Uh, yeah. Okay, so I kind of on mind how the uh, founding fathers had the idea that uh, your like your own like dreams and stuff are you need to pursue them to have a prosperous society, and yeah, you know, I think we can see that today that if people aren't like just because someone is like rich and there's like happen to be like poor people like them doing things that can advance and they are good at still advances the community because if if all we looked at was the some whatever percentage of people who are lower than yourself like yes you could be helping them and that's good but at the same time you're not exactly advancing because eventually they will catch up but and people need to do what they want to do because if you're not happy then you can't be really making other people's happy be happy and focusing on the community will not necessarily make everyone better because you know there's different people have different dreams in mind like maybe they don't want to be rich or whatever and you know if the rich people are constantly trying to bring up people lower than them then they will never advance themselves into a better place that they want to be at. And yeah, I think we could see that through, you know, currently as the government, like the head of the community and like the quarantine and all of that, they want people to stay home and pay them. Yet, you know, as we can see, like people live differently and people need to be able to focus on themselves because if everyone is in the community of the same thing and everyone has the same amount of money, then we saw it couldn't work. So I think if you and you look out for themselves, look out for their own money, and then the community can be brought up under that. But you can't really focus on bringing up the community before the top people can bring up themselves. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay, moving on to the last question. What is perspective? How is it shaped and formed? How does one's perspective shape their identity? Think about society's current complex version of the American dream and how does this apply to your own life? Uh, does anybody want to take this one? I'll go um, first. I mean, perspective, I feel like it's synonymous with point of view. It's point yeah. of view, but it's more of your... But you got to add your opinion to it. And I mean, in 2021, if there's one thing I feel like it's like the importance of perspective has diluted its significance. If we're like four guys talking right now and you start talking about football, I'll be like, damn, I don't know. I don't know a lot about that. Like most people, they don't, they don't have, they don't do that. And if you're sitting with five people and have a conversation, there will be one kid who's trying to pretend that he knows what he's talking about, but he doesn't. So we just got to normalize not having a perspective. If you talk to me about something I don't have enough knowledge on to have an informed opinion, I'm going to say that I don't know enough. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's just something that's pretty lagging into and like nowadays because no one wants to look stupid, but you end up looking like more stupid that way. How is perspe perspective shaped and formed? I feel like every, every encounter you have, a, a racist person isn't racist because he was like, 
he was born a racist. Either his parents made him racist, either he actually had lots of bad encounters with black people or something. So your perspective is a culmination of your entire life. Any, any, um, any topic we think about, everybody's had good experiences or bad experiences. Everybody's read about them. So all of them together just make up your perspective. And that, that definitely shapes your identity, makes you the person you are. And society's current complex version of the American dream, I honestly feel like the American dream is something that none of us should work towards. You, you work till you're 60 only to live after that. You, you're, you're working to live off of social security. All of us, like we as teenagers shouldn't aspire to work till we're 60. We should aspire to work hard every day enjoy life every day yeah. if if jack thinks that he's gonna party all uh, quarter and then turn in his stuff last, <laughs> <laughs> last day of the quarter Watch. jack bro jack that's so bad bro you gotta switch it up a little bit it's like that's the same thing the american dreams telling you to do work hard all your life and yeah. then when you're 60 then party no fun in that send yeah. it every day yeah be late to class almost every day by like, by like three minutes because you gotta have your coffee that's what i'm saying <laughs> Jack, we'll go next. All right. So what is perspective? I think perspective is definitely, just like you said, the point of view. Um, I think it's where you come from, your parents, your location, your background, like your religious background, all of that. That's like, it, it's your values. Your perspective is your values. It's your, your memories. Your perspective and your memories create your identity. And your identity is really what I think we talk about here. Because like, it's how is it shaped and how it's formed. The identity is like how you make your decisions, how you go about your business, how you go, you know, how hard you work at a certain task is that's your identity because you're going to do things, you're going to create memories and then you're going to want to build upon those memories in a certain way because of, you know, your identity. And then I think in my own life, my parents are kind of the American dream of sorts because they grew up in central Minnesota and then they moved all around trying to find work and now they found work and they're pretty successful now. They got, you know, a lot of material possessions and that's kind of like how I see the American dream is you're able to support yourself well at some point in your life, even no matter what your uh, starting point is. And then I think we can kind of see that at Gatsby because he was, you know, grown up in the Middle West, which is actually San Francisco, but, you know, he kind of like moves his way up in life and so does uh what was the other guy's name oh the sailor no the nick. yeah nick <laughs> nick is also like he moves up in life a little bit too with the help of gatsby and you know there's some stark contrasts in gatsby that are also like you know very prevalent that we can see but yeah i think that's a lot of the american dream in, in there even even the uh stark contrasts and uh in our own life also i think yeah, we're we're entering the American dream. We're entering our ability to, like, qualify for the American dream. Coming out of high school, you know, you can go into work right away. You can go into college, but either way, the American dream is is attainable for like the first time in our lives now. Okay. I think, like Jack was saying, the American dream does have to do like from coming up, from being poor, like I was saying, his parents. Growing up on a farm to you now now being in a beach town and stuff, you know, things change. I had that with my parents too, you know, growing up and like poor in a little farm town and now they're here. But I think how 
people's identity ties into the American dream is that how the global economics have indeed changed, but how the founding fathers uh, intended the American dream would just be to provide a good life. But now it's changed that it's just like, I would say most people's American dream is to like have a lot of money, but like where your perspective starts would be like how your American dream is seen through your eyes because how people grow up in different like economic statuses and having their own perspective of where they're born at is like an indicator I think of like an American dream because where you start out like you're if you're poor or rich you have like different goals in life and someone that like would grow up poor would probably say that their dream is to like just like not be poor anymore and to live like somewhat comfortably but someone who is has not grown up poor and like hasn't seen that would say that they probably want to be like rich one day and have like all these luxuries and stuff and that's their dream of economic status where someone else's would be just you know know when your next meal is and be comfortable and have a job that you know pays you enough to support your family mm-hmm. all right and so i think perspective is like how we view the world and i think it's different for every person like the rest of us mm-hmm. and so but I believe the most influential part of our perspective is our parents and how our parents brought us up. Because, like, most people, like, if you look ask them about their political beliefs, it's the same as their parents or similar to them. Definitely. And so, because of that, like, you can see how, like, the parents' thoughts and beliefs get pushed onto the kids, whether or not sure. they know it. And so, another thing about uh, perspective and, like, how it shapes our identity is, like, how we view our own memories and what happens to us. And so when things happen to us and like we're able to look back onto them and like whether or not we think it was a good thing or bad thing like how we evaluate it and how we grow or change from it is what defines us as a person and so the most interesting like thing about perspective i think is the tail the sorry the tailgating tales of uh, patrick mcclain and utah Utes, because mm-hmm. in both sides of that they both believe that they're doing the right thing on one side, the tailgaters, they believe that they're respecting the Native Americans and they're supporting their local team, and they believe that they have permission from a Native American to do what they're doing. While, like, we, from, like, a third party, are able to see that that third, the Native American that gave them a blessing is not really a Native American, but they have no clue that that's happening. So in their mind, they're absolutely right. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of perspective, because both sides believe they're right. And so for the American... Um, dream? Are you the third you're on the third one okay and so uh i think the american dream is different for each person like someone's own perspective personally i believe the american dream is the ability to achieve your own dream no matter where you are in society so you can be lower class and build your way up to whatever you want to be yeah sounds like you pretty much all said something like that yep um and how does it apply to your own life it's just like i can do whatever i want to because i live in america Radical. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Man, that wraps it up. All right. Thank you for listening to the Jack Jack Spot podcast. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I think that's it. I was Jack. Usho. Antonio. James. And Mr. Brammer. That's a wrap. Thank you, Mr. Brammer. (laughs) Love you. Love you. (laughs)